0: Hey there, I'm your host, Alexis Newland, and you're listening to the Brave Podcast. I am so happy you're tuning in today. Each week, a friend and I get together and talk about what makes them brave. So sit back, relax, grab your favorite cup of coffee or tea, and get ready for some engaging conversation. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Brave Podcast. So excited to have you here with me today. I want to say before we get started, I'm it's Veterans Day at the time of this podcast coming out. I want to thank all of those who served our country and basically had it where we can live in freedom today. So I am thankful for everybody who has served, and I just wanted to give my love to those who are in the service. All right, so in December, if you guys remember me mentioning a couple times before on previous podcast intros, my friend. Dr. April Jones is doing kind of a day virtual retreat on December 5th where you can get together. You're learning about your purpose, learning about rest. It's a great retreat. I will put all info about that in the show notes as well. And if you sign up and use Brave in the checkout, you get 10% off. That's a really great deal. Thank you so much for that, April. All right. So today's guest is my friend, Courtney Moronic. Courtney's son was involved in an accident while he was playing football back in 2016, which resulted in a traumatic brain injury. Courtney shares how that experience led them to start a nonprofit to reach out to other traumatic brain injury survivors. You're going to love the story about Courtney and her family and how they came to kind of be thrown into this community of traumatic brain injury survivors and basically advocating for those with disabilities. Alright, thank you guys so much for tuning in, and without further ado, here is my interview with Courtney Moronic. This is Alexis, and I am the host of The Brave Podcast, and today I have on my friend Courtney. Courtney, I'm going to butcher your last name.
1: It's Moronic. Moronic,
0: okay. Courtney Moronic. (laughs) And Courtney, introduce yourself, tell people why you're awesome and what you do. (laughs)
1: My name is Courtney Moronic and I met Alexis through when my son Torin was at Valley Children's Hospital with a traumatic brain injury and she was one of his therapists. So basically now I just run a nonprofit and we help sideline athletes who have suffered a traumatic brain injury kind of We give them hope and help their families get back on their feet, you know, with medical bills or whatever they need after, you know, they've been through what we've been through and kind of help them just overcome their adversity. Okay.
0: So we're going to go back to the day of Torrance, if you don't mind me starting there. Sure. Like, what happened? How did he get injured?
1: So we were, we live in Auburn. Well, we lived in Auburn, California, and we were in Morro Bay, which was about six hours from home. Torrin was at a non-contact 77 football camp with his high school football team. And it was June 24th, 2016. He went up for a pass. It's a non-contact camp. So they don't wear, you know, full pads and helmets and everything. They had like a soft shell helmet and he just went up for a pass. He was trying to keep his feet inbounds and didn't see that there was two men standing um, right by the sidelines. They were watching a, a different game. And so their backs were turned and, Torn flew straight into them. He was knocked unconscious, and then he hit the ground with no protection. We were frantically waved over. You know, we've we've been sports parents since they were five. The kids were five, so we don't jump up every time they, you know, are laying on the ground, but this is just different. They were waving us over frantically, and when we got to Torn, he was in a full seizure, and he was unconscious, and so obviously terrified. I start, you know, screaming, screaming right away. And I kind of actually left him until Dave got to him. And so, yeah, long story short, he was taken to the local hospital there in San Luis Obispo. And, you know, the, the first CT scan didn't show any injury. It showed no injury to his skull or his neck or anything. And so they were just kind of unsure why he wasn't waking up. So in the morning is when they sent him to Valley Children's Hospital in Fresno. They flew him there and they were able to do like an MRI once he got there. And that's when they discovered that he had a diffuse axonal injury, traumatic brain injury that's deep inside of the brain. And so five areas of his brain had been damaged, including the brain stem. So we were... In shock to say the least Because just two weeks before this injury Torrin was the MVP at the state Lacrosse championship game as a junior So he was literally at the highest of highs In his sports career Scheduled to go D1 for lacrosse Or football for college And you know Two weeks later he's in a coma that So is, we just were wow. shocked Absolutely yeah. I couldn't
0: imagine, imagine what was going through your mind
1: Like, like it it was it was unbelievable you know there were moments where you know because they they have to give you the worst case scenario and the worst case scenario for diffuse axonal injury is less than 10 percent of people wake up from their coma and if they do wake up most likely they're going to be in a vegetative state the rest of their lives and we're just looking at our son who you know he's sitting in a children's hospital and he's six foot one 180 pounds and 16 years old and He's surrounded by all these babies on on the NICU floor or the PICU floor, and we're just like, no, you know, we we knew Torin, and Torin had always been a perfectionist. You know, he was an honor student. He was good at every sport he played. He was like a golden child. He never, you know, said a bad thing about anybody. He helped the autistic kids at school. He he just was all around good kid, and we're like, no, like this isn't this isn't good this isn't right you know this isn't going to be our son and we just you know Dave and I would just look at each other and say no they're wrong you know he he's a perfectionist like he's going to get through this and when he does wake up he's going to fight and there was just something in our being that just told us that there was no way this was going to be our life exactly. you know yeah Yeah. I mean but you don't know You you know we're positive people but mm-hmm. there's those moments that can get pretty dark and you let yourself get go there. You know, like, what if? Like, what if this is it? And i, I got to tell you that through our journey, we've met those kids who are still in vegetative states from their traumatic brain injuries From playing football? From playing football. We know from football, we know kids from skateboarding, from car accidents, from jumping on trampolines. We know all sorts of kids that are suffering traumatic brain injuries from from everything, you know, we focus on football-related traumatic mm-hmm. brain injuries, just because that's kind of what happened with Torin. But through our journey, we've met families that have kids that have suffered them from all different kinds of things. But you know, Torin with the out of all the kids we know with diffuse axonals, Torrin's the only one who's come out of it. Wow, the only one. Wow. Yeah. So you know, we're grateful. You kind of have that um, survivor's guilt sometimes. Especially when, you know, as soon as I hear of a kid who's got an injury, you know, I try to get in touch with the the family and the parents and, you know, just to give them hope. Look, you know, Torn was able to recover from this and, you know, there's hope. The brain can heal. And sometimes their kids don't recover and you just left feeling guilty that your kid did. Like, why did this happen to my kid and this kid is not? Right. Yeah. And truthfully, I believe, I mean... You know, I know that God led us down this journey, but I also believe that Torn was at, at the right hospital at the right time. I mean, Valley Children's Hospital, you know, at first we were kind of, like, annoyed that our son was getting sent to a children's hospital, right? Because you're like, yeah. he's an adult. Like, he was, he's, he's a big, a big kid. kid. He was. But from all the other kids that we know that didn't get sent to children's hospitals, you know, they ended up rooming with 90-year-old men in rehab. Yeah. You know, they just don't get the care that, that you get at a children's hospital, and I truly believe that, I mean, Torn no sooner opened his eyes you guys had him standing up and walking and trying to count money. (laughs) (laughs) It was like you didn't allow his brain to rest, you know, like to, to, to get dormant. You just were like awakening it the second he was awake. And I will forever be grateful for that, you know. And his injury changed our lives in so many ways. I mean, my husband, he believed in God before all of this happened. But he didn't have faith that's the difference like now he credits everything to god he gives him the glory for everything that's happened in torrent's life and he my husband is a changed man because of it towards yeah. injury it softened him you know it allowed him to talk about hard things talk about his feelings it, it just completely changed him and i'm like if for no other reason then this is why it had to happen you know so yeah it's it's been crazy
0: yeah, definitely. I can't even imagine. I remember meeting you guys in the kind of in the beginning, and he was he was just so sleepy. And were there p- times that you just kind of got discouraged and lost, felt like you were losing hope, just watching him kind
1: of struggle. oh yeah, there it? were there were definite times, but we never allowed Torin to see that. We never spoke negatively around him we kept hope alive. We even kept hope alive for him to play football. You know, he thought he was going to play football one day yeah. and we never told him that that's never going to be a possibility. We just kind of were like, well, we'll just have to see how you heal and things like that. And he told us, he has told us that had we told him back then that it was an absolute no, he would have never worked so hard to recover. Mm-hmm. Cause even when we got home, he had therapists come, you know, every day, three therapists came. He worked his complete butt off. Like, he, you know, with the with the diffuse axonal injury, you know, he was like in a low arousal coma for a while where he just, they just couldn't get him to fully wake, right? And so they had him on Ritalin and everything trying to wake him, and he just, he pretty much slept 20 hours a day. The only time he was awake was for therapies. And so, you know, that sleepy, groggy, he, he said it's like you're in a dream, like you feel like you're dreaming. It's like a dreamlike fog. And that fog didn't lift for almost a year, like completely. A year? He doesn't remember. Yeah. He says he doesn't hardly remember any of that. So he did two senior years. So his first senior year was right after the injury. He hardly remembers anything about that year. Like he literally said it's like and here, you know, six months into it, he's driving. He told us now, I probably shouldn't have been driving. <laughs> I'm like, Great. And I mean D M V made him go through D M V made him go through the process. Like he had to go behind the wheel again and do all those things that now he tells us like I still kinda of felt like a dream like state. Like just kinda of everything moves slow. It's like a fog. And I don't know how to explain it, except when I ask other TBI boys, you know, they they kind of talk about it the same way. It's almost like things are just in slow motion. It's like kind of foggy. And then one day it just kind of lifts and they can see clearly. And Torian gets that way still to this day. We're four years out. If he's super tired, he still feels like it's kind of just like he's in a dream. I, I don't know. That's just how he explains it. So I can't imagine what it feels like to them, you know. So I when you guys, know. like,
0: got home and, like, started your new normal, was it hard to adjust?
1: It was. You know what's funny is the whole time you're in the hospital, you think, oh, I just can't wait to get home. I just mm-hmm. can't wait to get home. Once we're at home, we're going to be in our own element. Everything's going to be great. Home was a huge wake-up call for us. It was horrible. And here's the deal. You know, before before Torn was injured, I took care of the elderly. I worked, you know, in an in a, uh, assisted living and I took care of Alzheimer's dementia and I swear God put me put in that position because he knew that I was going to need to know what I was doing with Torin. And it was like having one of my residents being at home, you know, Torin was combative. He, we couldn't leave him alone for one second because his, his balance was so bad that, you know, if he were to fall, it's catastrophic. So yeah. he slept in bed with me with a bed rail. You know, he had his gait belt. You know, I had to take him to the bathroom, had to help him in the, you know, bathtub, all these things. But he was combative because of the medication and everything else. And it was, like, brutal. It was literally like I was on my job for 24 hours a day because you couldn't leave him alone. And Yeah, and then you've got a kid who's, like, he's completely opposite from the kid that we had at home before his injury. The sweet, kind, loving, caring. He was nasty and just angry. And just, it was, it was horrible. He had Dave and I in tears like every day. And then you have the pure exhaustion because you're tired. You've got people coming over. They want to visit, which, you know, the doctors told us you, you let people come visit during his therapy time. They can help with therapy because when therapy, when the therapists are gone, he needs to rest. Mm -hmm. He needs complete rest. And so we did, we started having people come during that time, you know, everybody wants to support you and they want to bring things over and they want to see Torin. and it's like exhausting. And not to mention, you know, when you're at the hospital with your kids, I mean, the nurses and therapists and stuff do everything, mm-hmm. you know? So when you have to do it all, it is just like, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And so, you know, it really took some time to get used to and So, yeah, it was everybody. I always warn people now. I'll tell the parents, I know you really want to get home. I'm just letting you know when you get home, it's not going to be all it's cracked up to be. Like, it's going to be hard because it is very difficult.
0: It's so interesting because we kind of get a little bit of this when we, like, follow up with kids afterwards and their families. But it's interesting to hear that you guys had, like, a rough, hard year of just him healing and like Like, the the struggle that you guys have with him at home because I remember
1: meeting and seeing him and he'd be so calm and so yeah it was hard and you know and then what happened was you know here's this kid who you know he comes home from something like this he's got all this support Mm -hmm. and you know and then it's like all of a sudden his football team they're busy they're in football well he's not in football and so you know he no longer had like you know the support and then what happened was Torin looked completely fine on the outside he's a good-looking kid he he's you know once he was able to start going to the gym and stuff he put on the weight he put on the muscle he looks great well people at school you know weren't they weren't believing he was really as injured as we're all saying he was right because it's an invisible it injury is it's very... an invisible disability and so you know he started just getting crap at school and then like you know Torrin was always popular because of sports. It's not because of social, because socially he didn't go to parties. He didn't like, he kind of, he, you know, he was a smart kid. And so he was in like the smarter classes. And so what made him popular was sports. And so you take the sports away from him. And now he's just a socially awkward kid who helps the autistic kids at school and doesn't go to parties. Right. So he's not really that cool. And so, you know, Kids just kind of, each friend just kind of fell off one by one by one because Torin, you know, slept a lot and he wasn't, you know, able to, you know, be on Snapchat and all this stuff. And then I'll never forget, he came home hysterically crying one day from school, hit four best friends on the football team who were the captains. They came to him and told him that he was a waste of a captain spot and he needed to give his spot up for somebody else.
0: That is now.
1: This is a kid who's been a captain since he was five years old. Like, he's always a captain because he's always the best kid on the team. And, well, he was devastated. You know, here he can't play football, but he's still on the team. And now they want him to give up his captain spot. So his coach got wind of it, and his coach sat the team down. He said, how dare you? He said, Torin nearly lost his life trying to score a touchdown for this team. You will show him nothing but respect. You know, but it changed him and he lost friends. And so luckily for us, he did that fifth year of high school because once those kids graduated, he had all the kids who used to look up to him who were the grade below him and they all looked up to him. Those were his new friends and they've all accepted him. And to this day, they're all his best friends. And Torn was a young senior. So when he got hurt, he was 16 and he was starting his senior year. So he was going to be a 16 year old senior. So that extra year of high school didn't really affect him. He was still 18 when he graduated, like most kids would have been. So, but it was tough. It's, you know, people think, oh, he's doing so great. He looks so great. No, he He was torture. That first year was torture. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because he wasn't able to play a sport either, which is usually what kept him. You know. Luckily for us, Doctor released him to play lacrosse and twenty months to the day of his injury he was back on the lacrosse field. Oh that's and they won a state championship. Yeah, they won a state championship that year. So he wasn't the same athlete that he was prior, but he was still the top third scorer on his team. You know, below his little brother. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, Dave coached and it really was cool to watch that last year, Torn got to play with his brother and their dad coached and it was just a nice full circle moment and, uh, you know, and i it's really cool because, you know, they've made a movie about Torin's story. Yeah, I would and get into
0: think,
1: that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's why the movie is going to be so cool It's because it's that full circle sports story, you know, and it's funny because these boys, the ones who told them, you know, they don't want him to be a captain anymore, that part is in the movie and we've changed people's names and stuff, but. They asked him about it. Is that going to be in the movie? And he said, yeah. And they're like, you know, we didn't mean it that way. You know, they're backpedaling now because they don't want to look like jerks yeah. Yeah. on the big screen. And Twan's like, well, you know, it, it really affected me. And everything that affected me has kind of been wrapped up in the movie. So sorry, you shouldn't have been a jerk just like the girlfriend who left him. Shouldn't have done that because it's in the movie too. <laughs> So. so how is the movie going? So what, what caused, caused you guys, you guys to, to, want to want to
0: do that, that to have the movie, to, to kind to of share, share his story with other people?
1: Well, it's just funny because, you know, people kept telling us, like, you know, his this story really should be a movie. It should be a movie. And I'm like, you know, I think I think what makes Torrin's story different than, you know, of course, we know dozens of boys with football-related traumatic brain energies. You know, they all don't have a, a movie coming out. But I think what's made Torren's story different is, what we've done since his injury, So we've taken you know, that tragedy, and we've turned it into a triumph by just everything in our power. You know, I quit my job and I started a nonprofit, and Torn and I, we travel the country, and we stop at all the houses of these kids who have been in the same situation as him. We pop in, we visit the kid, we help with the families, we see what they need. We, you know, I make phone calls to get nursing care or therapists out there. You know, a lot of them live in nowhere, Oklahoma or nowhere, Nebraska. You know, a lot of the families aren't educated enough to know to advocate for their kid, right? Yeah. They don't know how to how to get the care that they need, and so we've just kind of turned something bad, and we've just done. You know, I'll, when when Torn was in the coma, Dave looked at me and he said. We are not going to blow the second chance if he gets one. We're going to do everything in our power to help other people. And that's what we're doing. And, you know, our charity is small. Most of the time it's self-funded by Dave and I. And I say Dave and I, Dave. (laughs) He's the one who works. But, you know, we give everything that we can to help these other families, you know. And there's been times where we've sold our own personal belongings like our golf cart or whatever if we didn't have enough money to help these other families and these people aren't trying to take advantage they literally are calling and saying you know their kids on a ventilator and they're about to shut off our electric you know and it's like it's a $300 bill it's not even like it's that much or whatever you know but you'd be so surprised because some of these boys who are in vegetative states their parents had to quit their jobs to take care of them you know And these are 18-19 year old boys so mom can't roll them and lift them and exactly. all this stuff by themselves and they can't get nursing care and it's it's horrible and so you know but Torin and I get an opportunity you know we'll take two weeks out of the summer and we'll just get in the car and we'll just drive and we'll be in you know six seven different states visiting all these families and just seeing where we can help and with them just seeing Torin it brings them hope because, look, this kid had a horrible injury. Yeah. I mean, you know, a horrible injury, and he was able to come out of it. And so for us, it's just our way of, of giving back. And when we do some of these fundraisers that we do, we'll fly. Some of the boys who are able, we'll fly them out and, and let them be part of, of our fundraiser so they can meet the different celebrities or whatever and just kind of feel the love, too.
0: That's a beautiful thing you guys have done, especially for something as hard as almost losing your son to this and to, like, turn around and to try to give hope to other people who have gone well, through Well, I think part COVID. of it was,
1: yeah, when when Dorm was injured, we didn't know anybody else with a traumatic brain injury. So yeah. we didn't know. All we could go off is what, you know, doctors would tell us. And, and then, you know, once we got down to the rehab center, that's when we finally got hope. You know, I think in the pick you they do, they give you the worst case scenario. They don't want you, they want you to have hope, but they also want you to know the truth, Mm -hmm. you know, to prepare you. And once we got down to rehab, everybody was just so much more hopeful. This is what we can do. And, like, I started seeing them do things with him that were kind of waking him up and doing these things. And so I never wanted another mother to feel like I felt and feel hopeless and not know where to go next. And I'll never forget that Torin was injured in June and in September, you know, was when football started and my dad called me and he said, court, there's this kid in Hesperia. He was on the news and I think he has an injury like Torrin and he was injured in his football game last night. Well, something just came over me in that moment. And I was like, I feel like I need to reach out to his mother. And so thankful for social media, I was mm-hmm. able to get on the news report and write down her name and I just searched for her on social media and I found her and I just wrote to her on Facebook and I told her Torrin's story and I said I'm here if you need anything I just want you to know that you know the brain can heal and there's hope and that was the first kid and then every weekend that year in 2016 there was two boys in football season every weekend so in Torren's group I call him Torren's class 2016 I think there's 11 of them mm-hmm. and then every year since there's been there's been around ten or eleven that we know of that we've reached out to. So, wow,
0: it's an amazing thing that you do, and to, especially to like just offer so much hope to all these families because like a lot of people don't know what brain injury is until it happens, and it just throws right. you off. Right, and I mean you could
1: loop. do you can do GoFundMe's and help people financially, but mm-hmm. that doesn't help that doesn't help them get through the unimaginable. You know, it just yeah. So and then these boys, you know, what's what's been great about the boys, here they have a network of other boys, you know, who know what they're going through. They truly know what they're going through. Oh my god, you lost football and sports, so did I, it sucks. You know, you lost friends, you can't drive, I get it, I can't either. And they're the only ones who truly get what it's like. Mm -hmm. Because here like Torin's group of boys, the 2016 kids, all but two of them have recovered pretty good like Torin, mm-hmm. And so here they are now, they're all 19, 20-year-old adults trying to work, trying to go to school with brain injuries. I mean, they're healed, but, you know, they have fatigue, they have impulsivity, they have all these different ailments that it's going to haunt them forever that make it hard to work full-time or to go to school full-time or whatever and it's like the only ones they can truly talk to about it is each other they get it because everyone else is like well aren't you just thankful you're alive you should just feel grateful you know yeah and they're just like well yeah we're grateful but we're still kind of pissed that we have to go through all this <laughs> exactly <you
0: know? laughs> it's life-changing especially when you're also a male for us i think women it's different but for males like they're supposed to like be able to do things and not really have weaknesses so to have this happen to them like, exactly. It's really difficult, especially you that know,
1: young I mean, Well, yeah. And, you know, when we were in the hospital one night, Torin said to me, he was crying. And this is after, it was like close to when we were going home and, and he had started talking and he was crying. And I said, Torin, why are you crying? Are you sad? And he said, yes. And I said, why are you sad? And he said, I'm just afraid that I'm never going to get a good enough job to support my family one day. Oh. And I thought, here's my 16-year-old worried about a family he doesn't have yet that he's not going to be able to get a job to support them. Like, I was just, like, crying. I said, Torn, you don't have to worry about that. But, you know, now that they're 20, they are worrying about mm-hmm. that. You know, these kids, like, Torn tried to go to college, and he just honored student to, I can't remember what my, you know, professor talked about 15 minutes ago. I can't learn at that level anymore. And so he went, and he took his personal trainer's certificate, and he got it. Well, now he gets a job, and now the pandemic hits, and all the gyms are closed down. Yes. So he's just feeling defeated again, right, because mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot of other stuff he can do. And so, uh, you know, I'm still, as his mom, trying to find help him find new paths. Okay, well, this didn't work out, and I was try this. Yeah. you know, but you throw a brain injury on top of stuff, and it's just not as easy for them. mm
0: And it's hard because it's an invisible invisible disability, so it's hard for people to really see and sometimes
1: grasp. Exactly, or hard to be like, okay, well, I'm going to need a nap in the middle of the day. (laughs) Like, what job's going to let you do that, you know? And he truly sometimes needs that. And these are all boys who are 20 years old now trying to also live on their own, which, let's face it, at 20 we were all broke. Mm -hmm. You know, it it was hard. And then you throw an injury on top of it, and it's just like, you know it can really really mess with them and so you know i still i get texts every day from some of these boys just you know needing to talk or whatever and so that's just like i said we don't we're not you know this big huge rich company that can give them millions of dollars but we give them what we can
0: Give them hope
1: mm-hmm. exactly it goes a long way so
0: how has all this affected your faith
1: My faith hasn't really changed so much. I always had good faith. I always knew that God already knows what's going to happen before you do. And there's a plan and you just have to trust him. But like I said, for Dave and even for Torin, Torin was always, he had a scientific mind. And so he always questioned things because of science, right? Mm -hmm. Now he completely understands God's purpose and and why things happen and those kind of things. And same with Dave. It's kind of like they just got their faith handed to them I, through all of this. You know, they always knew there was a God and they believed in God, but they didn't truly have the faith. And like I said, Dave is a changed man. And honestly, the movie, most of it is about Dave. Oh, and I didn't it's that. Of, so, Yeah. And it, I didn't either until I really read through the script and I'm like, this story is about Dave and his faith, and how you know because they you know Dave's a big guy. He's six He's two hundred you know thirty pounds. He's this big, like manly you know coach and all this stuff. Well, in the movie too, you just see him soften up. You know that first night in the hospital. Don't tell anybody, but my brother snuck Dave in a bottle of Jack Daniels, and Dave took a Vicodin and drank a bottle of Jack Daniels to cope with what was happening. And it shows that in the movie. And then, you know, slowly you just see this transformation of a man who didn't have to drink away his problems. He was able to just talk about them with me and pray about them and, you know, find different ways to cope with what was happening. That's why the movie is so important, I think, really for the dad's perspective. Because I think, you know, moms always have to shoulder all of the emotional side of everything. Mm Mm-hmm. And dads don't allow themselves to feel all that. And so I think it's going to be really beneficial and an inspirational way for, for men to see this big guy, you know, kind of crumble into somebody who's able to, you know, trust in God and trust in his family. And it's pretty, it's going to be pretty special, I think.
0: I'm excited for it. When is it, how is it? Is it in production? Is it almost
1: done? Well, because production is, Nothing's happening in Hollywood right now. So yeah. basically where we're at is we're going through all the, I can't even think of the word. So going through the lawyers and doing all the paperwork type of stuff now. And then castings kind of started, you know, and things like that. So basically all the, all the work is going through with like the director and the behind the scenes, just getting stuff prepared for when things open up, we can start. Wow, so, we'll see is, who knows I don't know what's gonna happen with this country if we're gonna have any kind of, you know i I haven't been to a movie in four months. I'm devastated. I love going to the movies, and me so too. I'm kind of glad that we didn't have this movie coming out when all this happened either, so we'll see whenever things open back up, we should get started i mean the The movie's been written, and we have our director we have you know all of the behind the scenes kind of stuff already so I'm excited for it. I'm excited for you guys, too.
0: Have you guys ever thought of making it into a book as
1: well? Well, I had actually started, before we even thought of the movie, I had kind of started jotting stuff down. I'd really like to write a book. You know, I have a few chapters of a book, but I think that when the movie comes out, it's going to give all of us an opportunity to kind of share our own sides of everything. I think it's going to open up doors for Torn to do more motivational speaking, because, he already goes and speaks at schools of some of these other kids and just like Brent does when, you know, like when Torn came back to school, Brent went and spoke and it was really helpful to have that. And so Torn decided he wanted to do that for the other boys. And so he's done that and it's really great to kind of explain to kids. And I think that at that time I'll probably, you know, hopefully be able to have the time to finish the book and, you know, maybe just as a, a thing for parents to kind of read and maybe help, help them, you know,
0: Definitely.
1: I don't really know.
0: Especially to hear the perspective of another mom who's had a kid go and survive a traumatic brain injury. I think it'd be very
1: yeah. And there, I can so. get, I can get a lot of the other moms to, you know, to all write in something also and share their, their stories and how, you know, how they got through it too, because everybody's kind of been different, but Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I wanted you to
1: share, what was one of your most memorable boys that you met when you and Torrin took your first trip? Oh, man. There's so many. Trying to think. Memorable boys. Well, you know, this isn't a football boy, but Caleb Freeman is a kid in Oklahoma who has a diffuse axonal injury from a car accident. And it took him a long time to recover. And he still... I think he's a couple years out, but he still has balance issues, speech issues, but he's completely 100% there in his his head, like got straight A's in school, you know, it's just kind of like the speech stuff is, is kind of slower and stuff, but this kid goes around and he speaks at churches and everything. He has the best attitude of any kid that, you know, we've met through this because he's still, you look at him. And you talk to him and you instantly know something's wrong with him. You know mm-hmm. something's happened to him. You know, where a lot of these boys like Torin, you don't, you know. But yeah. Caleb just has this attitude and his faith is huge. His dad's a pastor. So that's really helped. But, yeah, he goes around and he just, he just speaks his testimony to everybody. And I just think that, you know, he's never going to be healed completely like Torin. He may never drive again. You know, he's going to really, because he just graduated this year, but as he gets on into adulthood, it's going to really come to him that he's, you know, probably going to need to live with his parents for, you know, a long time and things like that. But he has a really good attitude, where some of these boys are a lot better off than him and don't have such the great attitude, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I saw you post about him. He used to play basketball, right, Caleb?
1: Yeah. He played basketball yeah. and ran cross country. Yeah. yeah. I saw
0: there's a little movie, a short documentary out on him. I got to watch. Yeah.
1: They have a little documentary on him too. It's really cool. But yeah. So we, when we went and saw him, I actually grabbed two other boys that were in the Nebraska area. And so they, he was able to meet torn and two other boys at the same time. And he was still in a rehab facility at that point. So he was super excited. He was still walking with a walker and everything else. And so to see how far he's come is really cool for the for the kids too yeah
0: so what advice or kind of hope you'd like to give to like parents who've gone through this like if you could give them like a tidbit to take away from this interview
1: today I always tell parents to you know it's to feel every emotion you know so many people are like stay strong you can do it be be strong you know no you don't always have to be strong You're allowed to be pissed. You're allowed to be sad. You're allowed to be frustrated. You're allowed to feel all of those things. Just don't let them, you know, overrule, you know, don't let the bad days overrule the good days because... You know, don't let yourself get so deep down into, like, a depression and the bad feelings that you can't overcome them. But allow yourself to feel them because so many people, I mean, if I had one more person tell me to stay stay strong, hang in there, I was going to, (laughs) like, go crazy. And I understand why they do it. But until you've been in that position, it's very difficult to tell somebody else to hang in there. I always tell people, feel whatever you want to feel. Just try and stay positive because, you know they need you to be positive. If they they see you constantly breaking down or, you know, sad or depressed, it's going to do them no good, you know? Mm -hmm. So just to try to stay positive, feel however you want to feel and just know that the brain takes time to heal. Like it is not overnight. It's a long, exhausting journey. And even on those days where it feels like they're not making any progress, they are. People who aren't around them every day it mm-hmm. you just may not see it because you're with them every day. You know we have a kid right now who he got hurt in a rodeo. He fell off his horse, and parents have unlimited funds, so they bought one of the hyperbaric chambers for him at their house. Oh wow! He's made huge progress ever because he goes in it every day. You know everybody can't afford fifty thousand dollars or whatever, but they they were able to do that. But I see huge progress in him when every couple weeks they post a video and I'll call the dad and, you know, tell him, Oh my gosh, you know, Cole's doing so great. And he's like, really? Cause I don't see it, but it's happening. You just don't see it. Cause you're there every day. It's just, yeah. it's just a long road. And, you know, I just tell people to just be patient because it takes a long time, but you know, it really, the brain can heal. It just, it, and everybody's recoveries are different, yeah. you know? So thank you for
0: that. What are you loving right now?
1: In Missouri? Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm loving that. Listen, I am a California girl. I was born and raised there. You know, you pay for the weather. It's great. But mm-hmm. we just moved to Lake of the Ozarks in Missouri because our other son, ironically, <laughs> is playing collegiate football at Western Illinois. So we wanted to be a little bit closer to him. So we moved, you know, to Missouri. And it's amazing. I feel like I'm on vacation every day. The gas is a dollar fifty four. Are you serious? <laughs> oh yeah, goodness, we went so from Trayden's truck. Yeah, Trade's truck in California was ninety five dollars to fill up. It's thirty five here. Oh my gosh! You know, to register your vehicle, it's around twenty bucks. So, just the cost of living is is ridiculously low. People are all pretty much like-minded here. It's kind of nice to get out of California where everything is just so shoved down your throat constantly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just you would never know there was a pandemic going on here in Missouri because everyone just kind of, you know, people wear masks if they want to. You know, it's, you know, whatever. But things are opened. Everything's kind of, it's just been just been so amazing to just kind of get out of that bubble and come and, and just be here where we have a little bit less stress financially and we're able to just kind of, you know, luckily for me, I can run the, the nonprofit from anywhere and Dave can work from anywhere. So it's been good. You know, Torrin's in Arizona though, which is kind of a bummer, but he's trying to, you know, be an adult, live on his own and, you know, now Trey's in Illinois. And so we're just kind of like, I have my, my friend's son here though, cause he, she's trying to move here and, she, she hasn't sold her house yet, but he had to start football, so I have him. So Dave and I thought we were going to be empty nesters, but we're not, so it's okay. <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, loving loving Missouri life right now. Never thought I'd ever be in Missouri, but here we are, so.
0: How close are you to Branson? I've been to Branson, Missouri. An hour and a half. Oh, okay. I liked it. I liked Missouri. Yeah. It was. A, have you been, been to on um, Lambert yet where they throw the rolls at you? no oh you gotta go there don't eat anything at all before you go (laughs) there is so much food and most of it is fried and covered in gravy but they take these hot rolls and they throw them at you and they're delicious and rolls. They're, the food is amazing, <laughs> but just don't eat anything. Just go in there with an empty stomach and you probably won't eat the rest of the day. The food is it phenomenal. Is so fluffy. Lambert's, it's amazing. Yeah.
1: What I like about like Midwest and East Coast, because we lived in Pennsylvania for many years too, is you can kind of be in a bunch of different states in one day. Mm-hmm. You know, in California, you're like lucky to drive through the whole state in one day. But so it's like there's so many different things I want to check out, you know, and Lake of the Ozarks is. It's great, because it's, like I said, it's like you're on vacation every day. and then you know we're close, like we're only seven hours from Nashville, and there's just so many places I want to go visit. I do miss the mountains because you know I love to hike, so I'm yeah. missing the mountains a little bit, but there's other things to see in this country, so I'm excited.
0: I'm excited for you guys, and it looks beautiful. Your home and where you are looks absolutely wonderful.
1: yeah, thank you. it is, and it's a lot cheaper lot <laughs> <laughs> cheaper. So anyway, but yeah, we'll be out and hopefully we'll get to see you guys again.
0: Yeah. And then my final question for you is when did you decide that you were brave?
1: Oh, when did I decide I was brave? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a good question. You know, Torin's injury made me a lot braver, obviously. I had to go through things I never thought I would. But I've always been a person who likes to do hard things. I've always, like, tested myself physically you know, mentally, emotionally. And it's funny that you that you ask that because, you know, I've been trying to get on Survivor for like 12 years. Yeah. And I've, I've gotten called a few times and I said to them the last time, you know, I always knew that physically I could do Survivor. Like I always knew I'm athletic and I would do well in challenges and stuff, but not until my son's injury did I know that I was mentally strong hmm. and emotionally strong. And until that happened... You only have two choices when you're, you know, when your son's laying in a coma and you're sitting there not knowing, you can either crumble or you can just rise above the adversity. And it takes somebody very, very brave and very mentally strong to rise above the adversity. And in that moment, I knew I was going to always be a different person. And now I, like, really try to do hard things. You know, I climbed Mount Whitney last year. I'm like, I strive to do hard things because I just know I can now. Mm. So, yeah, it sometimes it takes people a little while, you know, to really see um, what they can get through. And until you're tested, sometimes you don't know. You're right. But hopefully, for anybody listening, don't wait till you're tested. Just go out and find your self-worth and find your bravery and find your mental toughness and just go and do hard things because as we learned with Torin, things can just change in the blink of an eye. The whole life that you thought you were living is changed in a second. And you have to go find your new normal and you have to decide, am I going to be brave or am I just going to crumble?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So don't wait. Just go be brave now.
0: I love that. That is awesome. I am definitely, definitely writing that, that down for my quotes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Courtney. This was awesome. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in to Courtney's episode. I absolutely love getting to sit down and just talk, talk to her about her son's experience and what they're doing now. And what I love most about her closing statement to us was don't wait until you're being tested. Just go out and find your self worth, find your bravery, and just go and do hard things. I just love that. It encouraged me so much. So thank you so much, Courtney. And I will put in the show notes all the places you can find her T3 charities, about the movie that's coming out. I'll put all that info there. All right, so here are my three asks. My first ask is ratings. Ratings helps me know what you guys are loving and what content you wanna hear. Also, if there's something you want me to do an interview about or someone, someone you want me to interview, just go ahead and shoot me an email. You can email me at apeachincali at gmail.com and that's spelled A-P-E-C-H-I-N-C-A-L-I. So yeah, if you want to email me ever and just have any suggestions, I would love to have those. So I guess I'm doing four asks today. Anyway, so ratings the first one. Secondly, if you hear something today that you love and you think would benefit another person, please share the episode with a friend. And then finally, finally, oh, subscribe, duh. Subscribe. You can go onto my website, go to contact us and put your email address in and you will be on the email list. And that way you can get the episodes a day early, find out about any giveaways I'm doing. All right. So we will see you guys next week. Thank you guys again so much for listening and tuning into the brave podcast. I appreciate you guys as my listeners so much. And I wouldn't have this show without you. So thank you. And I'll see you next time. Bye.